You're listening to the Spandex Power Armor Podcast. Reject modernity, embrace the spandex. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our very special episode of the Spandex Power Armor Podcast. I'd like to start us off by reading um, from a, a very personal poem I found um, that really kind of ties into the themes of today's episode. So if we just, <clears throat> excuse me. Monkey hate technology. Robot hate the monkey. They will fight eternally. Monkey versus robot. Monkey versus robot. Now, personally, I think that's just a very beautiful piece of prose there that really kind of ties into the themes of what we're going to be discussing today. Uh, how do you feel about that, Hypnopotamus Rex? Well, Common Ranger, I think it ties into uh, what we're going to be reviewing perfectly, which is Terminator. Yes. God damn it! <laughs> well, I suppose I suppose we're we're no we're apes, not monkeys. We don't have tails anymore, except for the furries, but we don't count those. <laughs> then what the hell are we watching? I watched a naked Arnold Schwarzenegger, and I you know I demand to talk about it. Yeah, look, we're not talking about the sex tape. That's old news. Uh, today, uh, today we're talking about Godzilla versus Kong. If it wasn't you know obvious by the title of the episode you're listening to right now. Uh, yeah, we we watched it, and now we're here to talk about it for probably like an hour, maybe an hour and a half, given how some of our episodes have been going lately. I'm thinking it's going to be two and a half hours long, and I'm going to give up halfway through editing. And so the first half will, you know, have a lovely compressor on it, and the rest will just be two guys mumbling. That sounds about right. I'm down to climb with that. Uh, so before we get into uh, this episode's discussion proper, I just wanted to take a little little moment out to thank Thomas Meehan. Or Mian, I'm not sure how to pronounce that last name. Uh, new listener who emailed us and whose email we missed for like half a we, week. We don't expect we don't listeners. We're just off, shouting into the void. Us, whatever. <laughs> yeah, this is just a thing we do. We, sh- we shoot it out there and whoever it's listens, like listens. Um, but he emailed us, or you emailed us if you're listening to this, which I hope because you sent us a whole email about it. Uh, and with a few lists of recommendations or requests for things to do episodes on. And these are all things where we would like to get around to them eventually, you know, all things going well, but we have no immediate plans. So we just want to go quickly through them and give a few brief thoughts, or at least I will, just to tidy over until we do. So, um, just quick fire. Chojin Sentai Jetman. Good stuff. Guy's the best boy. I won't take any questions on this. I love him. How about you, Rex? Yes, it's great. I love the bus episode where, you know, it's a murder mystery on a bus <laughs> and it's revealed that the murderer is the bus. So uh, that's my favourite kind of thing. That and the pot the noodle. calls coming from inside the bus. <laughs> that and the pot noodle monster. If you die in the bus, you die in real life. Ah, true. That explains my commute. Yeah, Jetman, solid sentai. <laughs> it's got a little bit of uh, Japanese ridiculousness to it. And so, you know, it reeks of, um, well... It reeks of that 90s fun it has. It can be dark as hell. It is dark. It's got some body horror in it, for crying out loud. But it's Hell yeah, that fun. gem episode. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Uh, next up, Gosei Sentai Die Ranger. It's okay. I enjoyed it. I'm significantly less enthusiastic about it as I am with Jetman. It, it's, I, I liked what I saw. I haven't finished it. I enjoyed it. How about you, Rexy? Yeah, I've seen bits. I, yeah, it's passable. 
<laughs> this went downhill fast. Oh my god. I, I am so sorry, Thomas. <laughs> I need to watch Die Ranger. Uh, next up, we got Power Rangers RPM. Get in gear. Ow! The theme song hurt. Um, yeah, Ow. I love Power Rangers RPM. <laughs> I really love it. Uh, I watched. I've watched the whole thing twice now. I love it that much. I love the Mad Max homages in the beginning. I love the weird parallel universe um, Terminator apocalypse thing. I love how the Goanja aesthetics clash but work somehow with the weirdly dark setting. Power Rangers RPM is just really, really good, and I probably will watch it a third time. Yeah, what you said, except I never watched it. I just find it really jarring considering the Goanja's aesthetic. I'm like, what the heck? Like, the the balls on the writers. A little bit of trivia for you. You know, um, you know Danny Sexbang of Ninja Sex Party fame? Oh, yes. He he did an audition to do the theme song for that. My God. We yeah. could have had something far different. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Kamen Rider Decade. Um, it's all his fault. Yeah. He's responsible for everything. Yeah. Screw you, Decade. You know, I'm going to do a fan sub series, and all Narutaki's lines, uh, it's not damn you, Decade, it's just screw you, Decade. Mm. That's the only difference. I, you know, personally, I've I never can't... seen it in full. I've only seen bits and clips, and I'm like, okay, so it's like a best of kind of thing. The main thing that annoys me is that we've got the wrong cougar. Worst cougar, worst Yeah, you've got cougar, Yusuke Onodera, who is cougar. not, you know, the, the, he's not the great one. We, we want Godai. Oh, wait, hang on, just... Let's hang on. Godai's the surname, isn't it? The one we like is Yusuke Godai. Yes, Yusuke Godai. Tripped up on Japanese nomenclature. The one we got in Decade. The one we got in Decade is something Godai. How much money do we have to pay Joe Odagiri so he can just at least pop up once at the end of a Kamen Rider movie, you know, flash that goofy smile and give a thumbs up? He'll never do it. (laughs) We didn't know what we had until we lost it. Uh, yeah, no, I, I've not finished Decade either. I, I keep putting it off because I haven't finished uh, most of the Heisei stuff before him. So I'm like, uh, I could watch Decade. It's shorter than the others. I could easily watch it in a couple of days. But am I going to get all the references? Next up is Kamen Rider Double. Very good. I love Double. I love it so much. It's also getting an anime soon next Ooh. year, apparently. So that's, yeah, based on the sequel manga. So that's interesting. Oh. Yeah, great. can't wait for all the can't wait for all the normie weebs to have to do a you know binge a bunch of YouTube videos titled "Carmen Rider Explained!" Exclamation point! Exclamation point! Not clickbait, non-sexual. <laughs> mm, I really enjoyed Double. Um, I first watched it over a forty-eight hour period when I was depressed. Uh, but yeah, I want to rewatch it. It's... And it cured your depression. <laughs> sure. Um, and <laughs> yeah, it's a solid series. It's got that <clears throat> a vibe of um, a lot of uh, early Neo Heisei stuff where it's just fun. It's enjoyable. Camarada O's is up next, and O's is fantastic. It I is love O's so much. my favorite Neo Heisei Rider series. Yeah. I'm not sure if I'd say favorite, but he's defi- it's definitely up there. It has the best character development, the soundtrack solid. I mean, the in- like. The intro theme is yeah. Scar, of all things. Yeah, it's weird. It well, all what's works. weird is that they brought that back for um, they brought that back for Saber. 
Wow. So if I had if I had a pound for every time we had Scar in Kamen Rider, I'd have two pounds, which isn't a lot, but it's weird that it happened twice. <laughs> yeah, no, I like the themes. I like the characters. Um, I, I'd give my left nut for a uh, a nose driver. Speaking of, I do have a Forze driver, which is the next uh, next thing he mentioned. Uh, Kamada Forze again, really fun, really nice, just a good, good comfy series featuring a good comfy boy. It was the first one I watched, and yeah, I really fell in love with the suit designs for both the protagonist mm. and the villains. And it's yeah, it's comfy, it's cozy, it's something that a Westerner can get into as a first taste of it without getting too much into the weird side of things. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. Our friend Jack watched a few episodes and enjoyed it. So, you know, I mean, not that he's particularly normy, but he's not so into this kind of stuff as us. And if he can enjoy it, then that's a good kind of indication. I'm really concerned that the only way we can get in, him into this is by letting him watch Wizard. Uh, yes, our friend Jack does like trench coats. <laughs> oh, we, it sounds like we're dissing him, but we love the man. Yeah, we adore you, Jack. You're You're a good man. So the next one is Samurai Sentai Shinkenja. Um, yeah, Shinkenja's pretty good. It's it's not my favorite Sentai, but it's it's good. If I want to watch a good uh, middle-of-the-road Sentai and not be kind of annoyed by it, I'll, I'll watch Shinkenja probably, among other things, but Shinkenja's up there. It's a very solid Sentai series, and it has yeah. character development to the extent that the green no longer becomes the annoying kid because they then add um, Ganon. <laughs> The Gold Ranger. And, <laughs> oh, yeah. God, it it's there. Oh, which which way around did they do it in the Power Rangers version? I think the, their Gold Ranger was meant to be Mexican, but he's played by a Filipino actor. That, man, that's some Wrath of Khan level. One thing I like about Shinkenja is that the main villain is just drinking sake the whole time. No, it's headache medicine. Ah, yes. Just <laughs> wow. That's one way to localize. Right. Oh, God, it's like four kids all over again. Boy, these jelly-filled donuts sure are great. <laughs> uh, next up is Kaizok Sentai Gokaija. Uh, that's when it was my, the first Sentai I finished. Um, yeah, it's better enjoyed if you know what the tribute episodes are all about. Um, characters are fun. They're not exactly the deepest characters, but they're they're some fun characters. I appreciate the pirate aesthetic. I love pirates. Yeah, I love pirates. I love pirate aesthetics. Um, I didn't quite do as much plundering and pillaging as as real pirates do, but I suppose I can. You know, I suppose I can live with that. Well, you know, I think that's a good thing because um, I would really hate it if pirates did have mecha. You know, you see um. Cargo yeah. ships being attacked by Somali pirates, and out of the blue, a big old robot comes out of the sea. I would cack myself. <laughs> ah, so, uh, did you? I don't remember. Did you watch Gokaija at all? I didn't. I've um, seen the Gokaija crossover episodes in later Sentai, but I very much get the feeling that. Oh yeah, we did a whole episode on. I need yeah. to uh, watch more Sentai, I guess, to get all the references. Well, just go. Just watch a couple of the episodes of the ones referenced in tribute episodes, and you should be good to go. Mm. I think there's Magi Ranger, Decker Ranger. I'm not going to recite them all. I think they did Live Man one though, which is neat. Ooh. As an aside, I did like Live Man. Uh, yeah, Live Man's good. Um, 
if, if you want a Sentai recommendation to take away from all this, watch Life Man. Uh, next up is Kamarada Geo. Um, I never finished Geo. I probably will at some point. It just I, the main character really really annoys me. He just fundamentally annoys me so much. Um, that's all I can say. That's that's my only complaint. I I find it hard to get behind a protagonist whose main goal is to become an unelected tyrant. Oh, sorry, I mean king. <laughs> I like it mainly just for the aesthetic for the uh, actual riders and also the another riders and frankly i'm upset that yeah, they yeah. included another agito again when in sh- instead they should have called it yet another agito another yes <laughs> one more agito but yeah i really love the monster designs in that one yeah no the another riders are pretty neat um some of them lend themselves better to uh and another design than others like double like there's not really much you can work with with double, oh yes know? but the body horror design of it was great because it was stitched together yes that was actually know what you i'm talking out my ass you're yeah. right with that one there are some like forza doesn't really lend itself well you can work with cougar and agito since they're based on actual bugs mm. fies as well is one you can't really the, the more technologically looking ones like things like hibiki was built for another rider. Oh, yeah. Ghost. Ghost was really cool. Yeah, Ghost was mm. neat. Really, really solid villains. Uh, was his um, transformation jingle is really good, and it will annoy me until the end of time that it's not a full song. I'm a real sucker for a catchy beat from a belt. Now, we're going to leave a little pause here, and you can insert your own jokes. Okay. Now, next up, we've got um, Doctor Who Season 5. Not the new Doctor Who Season 5, you plebs. This is the second Doctor run. Um, and I would actually quite like to do something on this, but it's the classic Doctor Who seasons are all built up of multi-episode serials. So there's a lot of episodes to go with this. So we probably won't be able to do it all in one episode. Um, but now this is a really good season to have picked because it's got Tomb of the Cybermen, Abominable Snowmen, Ice Warriors... Enemy of the World, Web of Fear, Fury from the Deep, and The Wheel in Space. These are all some real bangers. Um, so yeah, if, if you take nothing else away from this, my dude, just you've got some really good taste in Doctor Who. But of course, I rescind that, because he also asked us to do an episode on the 11th Doctor's <laughs> run, which was, oh, I didn't think it was that no, good, personally. that's alright. See, for Season 5, the only arcs I've seen there are Tomb of the Cybermen and the Moonbase, because, you know, I love me an electronic larynx. I love that sound effect. You didn't even watch the Abominable Snowmen? I, I didn't. I really should, though. Scandalous. I've got the book for that. It's neat. I, I love Patrick Troughton's Doctor. It's it's just a really good era, and it's just annoying to me mm. that's the era that they lost the most footage from. I'm uh, taking a look at the email from Thomas now, and what are your thoughts on multi-Doctor stories? Um, Fun is what they are. I'm not necessarily going to say that they are good uh, from a storytelling point of view, but I will say that they are fun to see different Doctors interacting with each other. You know, um, the three Doctors, it's 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 like a, it's like a Sentai team-up, to use a, an, a, an analogy we'll all get. Like, you don't watch them for the plot, you watch them for the different Doctors interacting with one another. That's that's what you're there for. Uh, Omega's a fun antagonist. Um, Barusa was not the best antagonist for the five doctors but whatever some Terrans are a weird choice for the two doctors uh, you know it's just nice seeing patrick Chatton back again 
But yeah, I like them. If I want to sit down and watch some Doctor Who in a very short amount of time, I'll probably watch more Fair enough. episodes. And that brings us up to our little shout out for good old Thomas there. Uh, that'll have to tide you over until we do full episodes on these subjects, but these are all things that I eventually would like to get to. I'm going to tie you down and make you watch it. You don't want to hear like... I'll clockwork orange it. Uh, I already watched it all. <laughs> I didn't like it the first time. Anyway, uh, back on track. Godzilla vs. Kong. Let's just good. get right Film into good. it. Um, yeah. Film make brain make f- fun chemical. Uh, it's the latest and probably last uh, in the line of the Monsterverse films, which started with Gareth Edwards' 2014 Godzilla and that went into uh, Kong Skull Island, then Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Um, all of which are good good fun watches. Um, all of which are very, very different in terms of tone. They get more similar in tone as they go along, I guess. But you can definitely tell it's a work in progress as they develop the series. Which is a nice change of pace. Because they're not all cookie cutter the exact same as you know, like they do with the Marvel ones. Oh, they all have their own individual identity. Um, in fact, yep. in some parts of this film, even from the beginning and the ending, it's, it kind of harkens back to Skull Island with some scenes involving Kong. And it really feels yes. like they're, they're combining the two franchises, the two uh, films together. Rather than it being its own film with them both, it feels like both films are just being pushed into the same space. Yeah, it does feel like an organic continuation it doesn't feel yeah, these sequels and crossovers don't feel you know kind of half-assed or anything like that that being said um there is a lot of um plots just left hanging in the air because they, they try to explain everything but you're not here to see the explanations of why x fights y you're you're here to see the spectacle actually if, we, if you brought it up now i may as well put it in here now um there are there are some weird things that are left kind of ambiguous or that have just happened between movies in this like is it like the the intro sequence shows godzilla having defeated all the other kaijus like does that just mean them having bowed to him at the end of the last one or did he actually go around systematically oh i think that was more of um i don't think it's been anything that's happened since king of the monsters i think now i was really really fond of that intro sequence because uh, even with the credits with the people it was saying you know what Oh, heck, with the uh, graphic design stuff based on approximations of existing Titan data and stuff and based on the sounds of it, and it was all censored out really quickly. And near the end of the sequence, it was just showing each monster that Godzilla or Kong had defeated and make it look like a um, a ranking, like how you have yeah. um, martial arts tournaments. So it just pits them against each other, and then finally it's Godzilla on one side, Kong on another. And that... It, it just works. It was a really fun way of doing it, and it really did establish the tone that they were going for, because it's nowhere near as serious as the 2014 one, and it's not even as serious as um, King of the Monsters, I don't think. Yeah, the logo is all kind of glowy and bright colours and that kind of thing. Like, yeah, okay, that's that establishes the tone. Like, this isn't one we're going into for serious um, kind of character stakes or anything like that. We're just here to watch... Um, big monkey fight big lizard and the fragile framework that facilitates what a gorgeous it. fight it is hell yeah dude so um very quick the plot is 
it's not exactly the most complex thing. Basically, um, I'm monkey. I'd like to apologize to all my viewers. It's, uh, <clears throat> yeah, uh, so so Kong is now living in a Truman Show kind of dome thing because the storm between movies has just, you know, is, is on the island now and all the Iwis bar one are dead. Um, and Godzilla is attacking Florida as any... Yeah, you'd think they'd be used to giant lizard attacks there, but apparently not. Um, and people are getting all up in arms. Like, I don't know where to start trying to summarize the plot. Actually, there's a lot. There's there's three different plot lines to this, and you could summarize each of them. I could. Hmm, I can give it a stab in a semi chronological way. So, of course, it starts with um, Kong being aware that he is in this, uh, essentially, a prison. And it's to contain him to, yeah. They do to keep show him that safe. movie actually. Mm. He makes a spear and just launches it through the. And um, even then, everyone's acknowledging that it's for his own good because the moment he's out of there, Godzilla's going to get a whiff of him, and because they're arguing that both of them are sort of the alpha predator kind of thing, they're going to end up fighting, and it's going to end up making the world a much worse place. Then it cuts to the Godzilla side of things, where there is a man who is. Uh, Hosting a Titan podcast in a very conspiracy. Wow, what a loser! Uh, any <laughs> oh, adult who hosts a podcast for what the hell over ten dude? episodes Jesus. really is going yeah, down. Yeah, right. <laughs> no. um, I know, right? Like, yeah. what, what a loser making a podcast yeah, about monsters, Japanese superheroes. Get a way life. too niche. I mean, anyone who does anything like yeah, that, right. they Man, must I'd get surprised if they get one listener. Thank you again, <laughs> Thomas. We really appreciate it. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, this yeah, guy cheers, is saying that he's going to uh, blow the lid off Apex Cybernetics, which he works for. Now, I understand that a lot of things he says in here is kind of meant to be jokes, but he does make some interesting points about chemicals being put in the waters to turn the freaking... Yes, that's game. the most important part. I think he was onto something with that one. Yeah, that being said, yeah, there was, there was even like the fluoride <laughs> line there just to kind of <clears throat> add um, that element of, of course, he's making sense in the movie to you, but we've got to sprinkle some um, things like, oh, he showers in bleach. That kind of thing. Sensible yeah, man. Um, I'll get, <laughs> get you real clean. Real dead, real fast, too. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> so, yeah, he... <laughs> See the fumes are just clearing Come the insides. On, let's of you get as on well. the plot. So he um, infiltrates the facility, <laughs> no, which in that case means he bleach. goes to work, but goes into a restricted area, um, uses a USB stick to get information from a computer. But to do that, he has to get past the guy in the office he's sneaking into, and he does that by annoying him out of it. it it's fantastic. It, it's it's charming and. It it's it's kind of human. He's just being deliberately annoying, saying, "Oh, hey, you're my new friend now. I'm here, just making a friend. What do you do? How are you doing?" And he just see just comes across. <laughs> it, it's it's not too slick. Mm. I think is 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 the best point about it. It's like he's not all kind of Tom Cruise kind of gets in there flawlessly. Like he knows he's not that great of a infiltrationist, mm. so he just has to really annoy him to get him out of there and then he's just all he needed was a few minutes like, what, on his own until he's back and he did it yeah hmm. and of course then he downloads all the information and then suddenly boom godzilla attack 
sirens going off everywhere. He evacuates yeah. along with the rest of the people, then sees another small group of people leaving through another door. So, of course, he follows them, uh, expertly Indiana Jonesing his way through some closing automatic doors. And, yeah, then he ends up going down a corridor and has blokes pointing tasers at him because, obviously, he's not authorised. And, yeah, before he can sustain any injury, the wall is destroyed, killing or injuring the guards, and through the destroyed wall, he sees... Well, obviously, spoiler alert for the love of God, if, uh, if you're listening to this without watching it, please watch it. Yeah, it's good. Now, what does he see yeah, that's, on that that's pedestal? That's the you get from this, just, it's good. So he sees Mechagodzilla's ball. Now, I, I'm assuming it, it's an eye. I was thinking like it was some sort of core or something. It's a ball. It's a orb sphere. You, what, you call your balls orbs? That's pretentious. Yeah, yeah. Um... Hey, Doctor, I think I've got a lump on my orbs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do that next time. I mean, the first time. There is a mysterious growth upon my orbs, Doctor. Apothecary, please inspect my orbs. I require a I bomb believe myself for my to orbs. Developed a cancerous growth. <laughs> the doctors don't like it. Why is the tangent arm still broken? I still need to fix that thing. You do. I miss it. Yeah. It keeps us on track. We all miss it. Anyway, back to Mechagodzilla's balls. Um, this sequence is really neat because I hadn't realised until we got them that we just didn't have any of those classic shots of Godzilla pointing his beam downwards at buildings. Like you, you kind of you're gonna get caught up in the films while they're happening. But when you think back about it, like he doesn't just stomp around destroying buildings and stuff like that and blasting people away with the aftershock of his breath or anything like that. That doesn't mm. happen in these ones until until now, obviously, which is why I'm talking about it. It's just a neat little thing that's come back that I was oh, you weren't here for a while. I I, I completely not noticed that. Welcome back, low angle shots of Godzilla destroying. True, people. yeah. In fact, it's rare because. This series doesn't really paint Godzilla as a mindless animal. It paints him as a very, very intelligent predator. And he does something for a purpose. He isn't just wanton destruction. But yet, here he is, wantonly destroying things. Or is he? Because this is where it kind of ties into the Millie Bobby Brown part of it, where she's trying to convince her dear papa that Godzilla isn't just destroying things mindlessly. But Now, you know, was Millie Bobby Brown's dear papa in King of the Monsters? Do was he like the remember? head of something? I really do not. Like, he was her alcoholic absent dad who likes wolves. Oh, I vaguely recall that. Um, he was one of the main characters for the entire goddamn movie that you liked. Okay, counterpoint: the monsterverse doesn't care about the human characters; only a select few. And actually, you know what? I'm just going to put this down on paper. The only character in the MonsterVerse, the only human character that I remember properly or give a damn about is John C. Riley's character in Kong Skull Island. He got the happy ending he deserved. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, we're going to delve into this more in the character discussion portion, but these, especially in this film, are not the best fleshed out characters. I have a whole row of tabs open in front of me just so I can know what their names are. So that's that's basically the inciting incident for this film. Godzilla is back. He's been absent for five years doing whatever he does, and fiddling with his belly button or something. We will like blue border Godzilla versus um, Florida men. <laughs> what? No, no, we do get Godzilla versus Florida man because the podcast guy lives in Florida. Ah, yes, true, but he doesn't actively fight. And he Godzilla. is a man. 
Not yet. I mean, if he'd managed to finish that head flask of his, he probably would. <laughs> he just grows massive. <laughs> I'd watch that. Um, so yeah, that's the inciting against. This is what sets things in motion. You know, um, the the facility is infiltrated, and that has Mechagodzilla's balls in. Is um, from a company called Apex. Now, yeah. Now, if that doesn't sound evil. Or at least morally shady. I don't know what It does. even has so an intro video to... from the CEO just about, oh, hey, yes, we're changing the world with everything. Ha ha. And I'm thinking, oh. Hola, I am Mexican <laughs> Elon Musk. I'm not evil. This does get a little very. <laughs> Look at my non-evil It's beard. a very stereotypical depiction of a company. It's like, okay, great. So the real monster here is going to be hubris. <laughs> Yeah, when man. will man learn? Did did no one read the memo we put out Never. about if you're a scientist and you want to <laughs> transcend God or usurp the Titans or anything, just, just, don't. just calm down. Just don't do that. St stop it. To quote, to quote the great man Michael Jordan, stop it. Get some help. So this is something that I just wanted to mention real quick. Um, evil mega corporations in real life don't have ominous names like Apex, mm. right? They have things like Google. Uh yeah, the companies in real life that have evil sounding names are like uh, car rental firms, like Enterprise. <laughs> like the evil ones are just small businesses, relatively speaking. When uh, the evil sounding ones are small businesses, the real evil ones are megacorps with fun sounding workshop names like Google. Yeah, I miss the days of the mom and pop evil empire. Right. Anyway, back to the uh, back to the film. From this point, everything kind of gets set in motion. Uh, evil Mexican Elon Musk um, kind of goes to a quack scientist who lives in the basement of a university named after one of the characters from the original Kong uh, and tells him, we, we've got these hovercrafts that can get you down to the Hollow Earth, but we need to go down to the Hollow Earth and apparently we need you to do it. Um, so let's work out a way to get down there. And then they kind of workshop some ideas and figure out somehow that Kong probably has a homing beacon in his head that'll take him down there. So then that ropes the Kong angle things into the plot because he goes to talk to scientist lady who studies Kong and convinces her in record time that yes, it's an absolutely great idea to take Kong out of his containment that she was adamant about keeping him in and transport him across a huge body of water. Mm. Something that Godzilla is known to be very fond of being with And him. also taking along the uh, child she adopted, which was the uh, hearing impaired Iwi girl who has a little bond with Kong. Uh, you know, I think my favourite human aspect of this is her kind of bond with Kong. That, that That's done really nicely. It's not overdone or anything like that. She's not... Amazingly enough, she's the youngest child actor in this, but she's also the best because she never talks. Yes. And, yeah, much like, much like a Victorian parent, I prefer my children to not speak and to, you know, be up my chimney cleaning for me. Child labour laws ruin this country. Uh... You know how some people say, you'll need Jesus? You'll need Mary Poppins. Damn it, Mr. Banks. Yeah, how come all the chimney sweeps... How many? How come all the chimney sweeps in that film were were adults? They were kids. You had an adult who owned the children and shoved them up the chimneys. At least that's what Horrible History has taught me. Well, it would be a bit grim if that film had uh, a bunch of uh, dirty kids dancing around. Just a horde of feral children. Human rights, step in time. <laughs> Human rights, step in time. <laughs> no black lungs, step in time. No black lungs, step in time. <laughs> Mary. Oh, <coughs> oh dear. <laughs> See, that's just not as fun as um, 
Bert, the man with the least convincing Cockney accent of all time. Mary Poppins. Uh, I watched that a few oh, God, days God ago. It was Dick good. Dick I haven't seen it in years. I always remember really not liking the Feed the Birds song because it was just boring. Um, apparently Walt Disney um, would insist that the Sherman Brothers play it, you know, in his old age. I think he would have um, some uh, bourbon or something in a glass and just um, listen to them play, and he would cry every time. Like, that was the one the, song. Uh, the record player. Well, yeah, but... So did he just employ these guys to play music for him? Out of whim. No, no, they're the Sherman God, Brothers. They created a lot of the iconic Disney songs of that era. And because they were on his payroll, he would just bring them in. I mean, if, if you got them, you might as well. Like I said, I want Walt Disney money. I want to build a city-state in the middle of Florida. <laughs> uh, but that will have to be for another episode because we are getting off topic again. The hell are we talking about? <laughs> Always off topic. Godzilla yes. versus Kong. Um, we're also go. talking about Little human go. rights violence. Oh, yeah, they're going... Little girl, little girl. Um, so they, they, they start transporting them across, uh, across the ocean. Um, and then Godzilla and he have a fight. It's, when we get to the fights, all we're going to be talking about is, oh, fun. Because there's no real, we're not going to give you a play by play. Oh, then he, then he punches him like, pew. Then he shoots his beam like, pew. Yeah. We, we can't do that. That's One thing I find is that Monarch has no real agency in this. They're only really mentioned in the background. It's oh, yeah. all Apex. They're weak it's as all hell. the corporation doing everything. Like obviously they've got their own hmm. motives to uh, get that um, mysterious power source from the center of the earth to use it to develop a weapon to fight Godzilla. That's all they're going on, and everyone thinks they're the good guys. That way they're convincing Kong to do it. Hmm. Yeah, Kong just kind of goes along with stuff, even after they've chained him up. You know what? That little deaf girl, you know, is puts they... you know something really convincing across. Oh yeah, big reveal. Kong can understand sign language. I think that was a really cool scene, even if he just signed home. Yeah. Yes. It show Yeah, no, it's 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 a really good thing to introduce. Like, yeah, you could probably conceivably teach Kong sign language. He is after all a big monkey. Mm. Ape. Mm. Now come on, evil corporate man's corporate cold daughter keeps calling him monkey as a means of disrespect. Yes, but I mean as a term of endearment. So it's okay. Honestly, I feel like I've forgotten all the Millie Bobby Brown subplots that have happened in between. Um, I'm just going to recap that at the end, because that is the least important aspect of the plot. All that matters is the the Kong. The Kong plotline is the most kind of driving force of it for most of it. And then it kind of transitions into the Mechagodzilla bit of it. Yeah, the only um, human scene that stands out here is, of course, it's the interactions between the girl and Kong. That yes. and when Scientist Man from basement is obviously scared of kong and she signs coward and then it's explained like, oh no no she she's calling you brave yeah and it, then it's harking back um at a later point where he signs that to her to say you know be brave it's going to be fine and he just signs coward i laughed out loud at that i hope that little girl completely forgot about that bit earlier in the movie she's like what, what the hell are you talking about <laughs> coward uh, but anyway, we'll get to that at a later point. Um, yeah, so on the Kong side of things, it's a seabound journey with um, a, a cruel corporate supervisor making sure that everything goes as planned. And then Godzilla turns up. You know, it's a shame they didn't think that he might swim. Yeah, yeah, even though it's outside his normal route, you think he might be able to smell another Alpha Titan. And uh, this begins round one. 
Godzilla demonstrably has a sixth sense that cues him into whenever something he doesn't like happens. Have they not noticed that by now? I swear it was even explained in King of the Monsters. As the first big fight of the film, I'll, I'll say this, they really learned from complaints about the previous one because it's broad daylight, there's no rain, there's no smoke or anything like that beyond the ships and planes blowing up. It is fantastic. Uh, the undersea fights are great. One of the oh, weakest... Yes. One of the weakest points of the older films was that they couldn't really show underwater fights properly. They would always be um, the monsters standing on the seafloor with um, like a bubble filter over the film to kind of replicate it. And they'd just be doing the same thing as they would on land, but they'd be doing it a little bit slower maybe and maybe a little bit floatier. Here, we've got Godzilla kind of just twisting around and it shows him as being way more agile and mobile under the water than he's ever been on land. It's a really good demonstration of how powerful he can be if he gets his enemy in the water because because of the limitations of the older films we don't really think about him as being significantly more deadly underwater here he's full-on crocodile death rolling kong and stuff like that it's it's amazing oh yeah it's so good to watch and again it's all broad daylight i know like you know night fights in kind of practically done toku like um like Godzilla against Mechagodzilla, that can look really cool. And they can look really cool in the rain as well, but that's only if you've got a real suit that the water is collecting on. It just looks a bit iffy with its CGI. Uh, but here, broad daylight, I love it. I can't stress enough how much I enjoy it, just being able to see everything and not have to squint through virtual drizzle. This scene was there to emphasize how dangerous Godzilla is, especially because Kong is pictured oh, yeah. with a massive disadvantage. One, he's heavily sedated. Two, he's chained to the ship. So of course when Godzilla... Three, he's a monkey and doesn't do well yeah, with water. Yeah, so of course when Godzilla, you know, he knocks the damn thing over, and of course then Kong is drowning. Only because Scientist Man could, you know, activate the release, he was able to pull it, turn it over, stand back up again, and even then... It was just so fascinating to watch how he adapted because obviously he couldn't go in the water. The water is death. So he, I think, what does he do? He did like a stepping stone kind of thing, leaping on top of a destroyer yeah, he hops and then onto battleships. an aircraft carrier, just kind of forcing Godzilla to go onto his territory. And he then responds by punching him mm. in the face. <laughs> Man, it's it's so fun. They they only survive by playing dead, basically. Yes, and with that fight, I like how little they use Godzilla's beam attack because obviously that would be OP. Because that's that's more there to demonstrate yeah, a threat, just... or if he wants to destroy something from afar. If he's up close, he will bite, he will punch. You know, it shows Godzilla as a character that has some tactics. And um, yeah, of course, hmm. Godzilla wins this round to the extent that. Um, they have to intervene to stop him from dragging Kong right to the bottom of the sea by using death charges. And even then, Kong just barely manages to climb back onto the deck of the ship and pass out, nearly. <laughs> and so the only way for them... Poor Kong. No, uh, he, does, he does pass out. He passes out until they get into mm, Antarctica. And the only poor, way poor to monkey. keep Godzilla from finishing him off is just to essentially signal that they're dead or giving up for now. Like, obviously, this isn't a creature that would do anything out of spite or malice. He's obviously done what he needed to do. He's asserted his dominance, and so he feels like he's won. So he has no more reason to investigate or destroy anything. He just swims away. Yeah. Man, that's a cool scene. Like, just just watch it. Just just watch the film, and you'll see. You'll understand. Um, 
from there they um, transport Kong. I mean, if it wasn't clear already, this is not a Godzilla film. This is a Kong film featuring Godzilla as an Yes, I agree wholeheartedly. So they, they transport Kong to um, Antarctica where they've got a little uh, manhole cover to the centre of the Earth. Now, I don't understand why exactly they needed Kong to lead them there, because they know where... Yeah, the they have aircraft is. that can take them to it. Oh, hang about. I figured it out, I figured it out. They want Kong to take them to the power mm. source in the centre of the Earth, not just to the centre of the Earth. That was uh, as a little moment of, of, of Ranger being an idiot. Well, true, but in terms of often, actually so getting there, they don't really weakness. need to do much else. They could have thought of some other instrumentation to record it or something. Or, oh, yeah. yeah, you're right. Anyway, it's just it's just to get it's just to get Kong to a neat set piece. Yeah, it's a shame he got cold feet got when that he scene was there. Where he fights. Basically, had to have the kid lie to him. Like, yeah, family gotta, might be down there. Come on. Ooh, yeah. Go on. You, you might see. Don't worry dad, about the effects dead, that um, hey. the gravitational changes may have on you. I mean, scientist man's brother was calzoned by it, but might be fine. You're big enough. So, yeah, they 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 go through this weird wormhole thing and then end up in the center of the earth and this is the whole thing that would have taken up the entirety of a movie this is just part way through for this you know other movies would have getting to the center of the earth be the entire plot they're just going there just for like five minutes and a fight this film really works in a lot of concepts that weren't really mentioned beforehand and that just doesn't now the hollow earth thing was mentioned in king of the monsters just to explain that's how godzilla travels everywhere so quickly so we were thinking okay maybe it's underwater but this is revealed no it's this whole massive place it's not only a place that leads to um, a new terrain you've got two worlds essentially between each other one family <laughs> Trust to the extent your that heart. There is decide. a complete weightlessness between the two um, terrains, I guess, which is seen by Kong scaling a mountain, then just put your it. faith in what you most believe in. I like Phil Collins. Get off my <clears> back. Then just jumping from one peak to the other on the other side, and it was just really pretty. It was a beautiful thing to see. I wish that they would have had more things to do in this lost world because it would have been its own thing. And it's strange that they've only introduced it now. I want a whole film in there. Yeah, I want a whole film in that Hollow Earth. It looks good. I like the kind of almost touching Twin Peaks. Yes. You know, doing the old creation of man thing. I just want to point something out, though, regarding the Hollow Earth thing in the MonsterVerse. They've been talking about it since Kong Skull Island. And every single time... They change it, or rather, they kind of they act like they're introducing it for the first time again. So it's introducing Kongskull Island, and they use these scientific instruments to emphatically prove that the Earth is hollow. And then in Godzilla: King of the Monsters, they act like it's an unproven theory, and that they're only now just discovering proof of it. And yeah, like you said, it's in that one they they explain it as an interconnected network of tunnels and stuff like that. And this one, it's just. You know, now they're proving it again, but it's not just an internet-connected network of tunnels that connects the entire Earth and has no ecosystem in it. It's a literal sub-planet on the inside-out thing. I don't particularly, I don't particularly mind this. It's just, it's just weird that they keep kind of changing it as they go along. I really appreciate that it's. It feels like an extension of Skull Island. Even earlier in the film, they mentioned that Skull Island is basically what would happen if. 
there was an entrance from the Hollow Earth to the surface because of all these giant monsters and all the spectacular things going on. We have a neat little um, fight scene in the Hollow Earth with Kong fighting a couple of war bats, which are neither waging a war nor are they bats. They're actually snakes. So, you know, thanks, Wingard. You lied to us. Two out of ten. Literally unwatchable. It's like um, how the Japanese have something called English toast that is neither English nor toast. It's two slices of bread with butter and then sugar on it. Oh, wait, no, that's yeah, Australian. Yeah, fairy bread. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Do they think us... <laughs> okay. That's something new I learned. It's something horrible. What the hell? Sugar and bread. Anyway. Um, yeah, no, so they they go into... They, they find... They, they follow Kong going through the hollow earth and he kind of jumps from one peak up to the peak on the ceiling of the world because he kind of works out there's a low gravity and he can just kind of glide to it i couldn't work out if the hand at the top of that mountain was like a fossilized hand or a sculpture either way it raised some interesting implications then he finds this massive hall like bigger oh yeah the scale of this is insane so like yeah that raises further questions like who built that who did all this? Like, there's there's um, there's a throne in there that he sits on for a bit, and there are like these Godzilla axes. Like, we we see the big one in like the trailer and stuff like that. There are a bunch of other ones made out of Godzilla spines. Uh, it's it's just there's loads of stuff that one could explore here, but none of it's ever really it's touched. It's like on. Prometheus. And it really raises so me. many questions and answers nothing. Yeah, right. Except I don't feel insulted by this one. I feel insulted by Prometheus. <laughs> um. So yeah, with that they go through. Some, well, they more imply it's some greater backstory about Kong's kind, about how his ancestors did something, because obviously there is, you know, a giant handprint upon the door, and there's essentially a throne in the centre, and also some giant pillars, which are obviously made by something intelligent, and... So are these made by Kongs, or another kind yeah. of titan, or... By lots of I think I'd rather humans. not know. I, I don't know. Because the, when you know. try to explain something, yeah. it takes away the magic. And of course, the scene with... Yes. <laughs> Prometheus. And of course, the scene with the axe was incredible. You know, Kong sits on his throne. He manages to charge the thing using the Earth's energy. And of course, evil corporation managed to uh, harvest that. Now, keep in mind that this, all of this that we've discussed, discussed described, I don't know, has has not happened as part of a single thing. It's been constantly shifting back to the no. less interesting one, which is the Godzilla side of things. Unfortunately, but yes. Um, like I said, this is a Kong film, so we're just describing the main thrust of the plot. Anything that happens alongside this is there to kind of in- inform other consequences of this. So, during all of this, um, Millie Bobby Brown and her cohorts are trying to expose Apex for provoking Godzilla into attacking them. And so they're sneaking around different Apex facilities, which apparently don't have any security. Ah, yeah, and true. Also- now, how did she get there, though? She, of course, had to meet up with her friend, also known as the Fat Kid from Deadpool, Deadpool 2. 2. He's just Deadpool 2 to me. It, it's just like... I, as soon as I saw him, I thought, hang on, I've seen him before. You, you don't really get that many people with uh, New Zealand accents, do you? No, it's just Taika Waititi and uh, Peter Jackson. Hmm. Think... The only three New Zealanders. Yeah. Come on, we've got to have some more Kiwi pride. Uh, so, 
I feel really bad for him because he just exists in this music uh, music movie to be a punchline. I feel really bad for him. It's like, ha, <laughs> nerds. Or normies, really, because he drinks fluoridated water. It was the butt for a bunch of jokes in Deadpool 2 as well. I kind of worry that he's just going to become this massive joke in all the movies he's in. I've only seen two movies he's in, so I can't speak for the others, but I kind of worry that's what his career's going to be, you know? Hmm. That's, that's not good for a chubby kid. Anyway, throughout all of this, Millie Bobby Brown and her Millie Bobby Clowns have been trying to kind of work out exactly what the haps is up with Apex. And so they go to the Florida one, and they go to a sub-basement, um, which is completely operational, and no one's just noticed that during the relief efforts. And then they go into a maglev underground rail It's system. like a hyperloop. Yeah, so and th- that only exists to move the plot to Hong Kong completely, which really bugged... I don't know, it just bugs me because that's a very blatant kind of act of plot convenience. Like, oh, okay, they're in Florida, but we need to get them to Hong Kong for the climax. And yeah, well, you can't spaceship. stick them on a big ship. It would take Maglev ages. Tracks. How would you explain that? It's like, sod it. You know, this company has the technology to create a craft that can go to the center of the Earth without sustaining any damage to the extent they can create an anti-gravity generator that can light up the Vegas Strip for okay, a day. I, I will buy that. I will buy that. However... It's one thing to make that. It's another thing to make a giant track from Hong Kong to Florida. Yes, That's a but, lot of um, work that needs to be done. This had a very, very important cargo on it, which was... Skull crawlers. Little baby skull crawlers. Yeah. It's Where the hell did they get the skull I'm crawlers anyway? Skull Island. Which is closer to Skull Island, Hong Kong or Florida? Hong Kong. Hong Kong, yes. Wait, hang on. Yeah, that doesn't make no, sense. May, maybe, no, maybe Florida. No, maybe Florida. Because they show it on the map. Um, Skull Island is near Hawaii. And the Pacific Ocean is a really big ocean. Hmm. So I think it might be closer to Florida than Hong Kong. I like to but think I they raised them on something disguised as a gator farm. <laughs> Although sure are some mighty... Some mighty weird gators you got there. They, they ain't got no. <laughs> no one batted no an eye because it's Florida. Florida man breeds two-legged giant alligators. That 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 checks out. Yeah, that <laughs> follows. Um. So yeah, that's that's the entirety of their plot up until they get to um, Hong Kong, and then they find um that they end up in the Mechagodzilla testing chamber. Spoilers: Mechagodzilla's in this movie. We already mentioned his balls. Um, and so they somehow survive that by jumping in a little little shelter in the middle of the testing chamber. And then they also find the cockpit, which is Ghidorah's skull. Spoiler alert, it's Godzilla, it's Ghidorah's skull piloting it. Uh, and then they get ca- uh, captured, and then they get free again. I love the way that they dis- well tried to explain what they were doing with Kevin's skull. And Conspiracy Bloke was basically saying, oh yeah, they, obviously they used a DNA sequencing computer to make an artificial intelligence um, because because Ghidorah can telepathically communicate. That's how it communicated with its other head. So essentially that's being used to telepathically control Mechagodzilla. And I'm just thinking, oh, okay. <laughs> where, where have we heard about uh, a DNA computer controlling a mechanized yeah. Godzilla before? And um, also later ground. on in the I've film happens to... Um, Take over and go nuts. Wow, a, a berserk Mechagodzilla possessed by the soul of a dead monster. Hmm. 
Hmm, this is I'm a completely not... new idea that's never occurred <laughs> We're before. We're in uncharted waters here, folks. We're down the rabbit hole. See, okay, I'm just going to straight up say this. It's a nice combination of Mechagodzilla 2 and Kiryu. Because with Mechagodzilla 2, it was based on things gathered from Mecha King, uh, Mecha King Ghidorah. And with Kiryu, it's based on uh, a DNA computer from the remains of the first Godzilla. So, of course, you know, it, it was revealed at the end of King of the Monsters. Something was going to be done with uh, Kevin's head. Well, don't forget Terror of Mechagodzilla, because he's partially, at least to begin with, being controlled by a Japanese person with their mind. Ah, yes, true. And, okay... The yeah. name of the Japanese bloke that follows yeah. Mexican Elon Musk, his name is Serizawa, isn't it? Ren Serizawa. Is he related yeah. to the one who died in King of the Monsters? Yeah. His son. His son, okay. This shows how little I cared and about he's never the mentioned... Well, no, no, no. It's not, the... it's not to show how little you cared. It's about how little we were shown. He is never mentioned in any of the other films. He's mentioned briefly in the book of King of the Monsters. But that's the book. That's not the movie. Like, does he have some sort of motivation? Is it like because his dad Who knows? sacrificed himself? To I don't know. It's, yeah. You don't know. I don't think the writers knew. None of us know because none of us are shown these things. We needed someone to get in the damn robot. No, no he, he tells him that. He, he tells does. Him to get in the damn yeah. cockpit, doesn't he? He does. He does. It's great. <laughs> get in the robot, Ren, or, the, or Kevin's going to have to do it. <laughs> uh, of course, we're kind of trying to make this linear. We're presenting this in a linear way, but these t timelines we got, happened. We've got three distinct plot threads. Yeah. And only one of them really counts. Everything, the other two exist. They, they just exist to complement the Kong one. The only character you need to care about is Kong, because Kong is yeah. a character that can emote, it has facial expressions. It? He? Come on. This is a yeah, this is a person, essentially. Whereas Godzilla is always portrayed as a force of nature, or some sort of intelligent predator. You can't really make it solely about him because there's no human face to it. And the next best thing is a primate. Mm. So of course, you know, with Godzilla it's best left as a mystery, because he has his own motives. He's only just trying to um, maintain the natural order of things. Now in Skull Island you see that Kong is a character. He has his own personality. If you were to flip it and have Kong as the antagonist, then it would it just... just work. Yeah, it wouldn't work. Because there's no way that he is some sort of brute. He is giant, he is... Oh, plus, there's no, yeah. there's no real precedent for Kong being an act a malevolent entity. Yeah, unless at they worst, were to pull a um, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla and, you know, like, psych Mechanicong. Yeah, nice. I'd have been down for that. But yeah, no, there's there's absolute precedent for Godzilla being an antagonist and being in a, being evil. There is none for Kong. There's no real way you could swing it and have it still feel like Kong. At worst, he's neutral, and at best, he's you know actively helping and working with humans. There was a bit of speculation after the uh, trailer dropped that the antagonist Godzilla that you see there was actually just Mecha Godzilla with Godzilla skin, you know, on it, like in uh, the first Showa film. Now, that was heavily implied, especially because we saw leaked images of the Mechagodzilla toys ages before the trailer. Mm. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I kind of hoped that was going to be the case. Um, but looking back on it, it just, that, that's too derivative. There's one thing to have a neat little reference and callback. It's another thing to flat out rip off an older film, you know? Hmm. But yeah, no, I... I 
don't know, it's, it's not like Mechagodzilla's been a particular surprise. The Playmates toy was leaked ages ago last year. Mm. Yeah, big grabby hands and all. This is a weird design choice. Not the worst, but a weird one. So as uh, so at this point in the plot, um, they've they've tested Mechagodzilla and his awakening has kind of summoned Godzilla again. So he's making a beeline to Hong Kong. Um, Kong is down in the Hollow Earth doing his thing, and Millie Bobby Brown and the others are in Hong Kong as well. And they're all kind of converging on this one point. Um, Godzilla gets to Hong Kong just as um, Kong. I'm saying so many ongs in these sentences i'm going to slip up at some point but he kind of activates and charges up his axe um and Co- godzilla um notices this and starts blasting oh, through to now the center of the earth this, this is the is silliest so, bit but it's this so is cool so stupid this is so ridiculous i love now, it i was assuming this is when it, he first did just... it that he was doing it to attack where mechagodzilla was hidden but no he <laughs> No, no, because we see him, we see him reacting to when God, when Kong picks it up, and it's clear from how he's acting that he knows that something separate to Mechagodzilla is happening. So he can just sense stuff in the center of the earth. He's like, oh, I don't like that. Someone's on my throne. Is he omniscient in this? Like, well, it's kind of hinted knows... out that they have some sort of semi-telepathic thing going on. Yeah, like he's, you know, it's weirdly specific. Like, oh, okay, no, right here. We we obviously we don't see him kind of adjusting himself, but there's probably like a a good five minutes of him shuffling around in Hong Kong, just trying to find the right point of entry to bit blast his. Beat. Yeah, I I find that incredibly specific that he was going to Hong Kong, and this Titan seat of power is located directly beneath it. It's like the Krispy Kreme in the Power Rangers movie. <laughs> like there are so many wondrous things hidden beneath the Krispy Kreme. Again, this is what I'm talking about with the plot convenience. Like they need them all to end up in Hong Kong. So there has to be a maglev train to get Millie Bobby Brown and her lads there. Godzilla also has to blast a convenient tunnel to the centre of the Earth so that Kong can climb out at them. It's not horrible, it's just clunky. Mm. And of course, when that hold is made, I think just a little beforehand, while Kong was charging his axe, the corporate lady sent out a little drone to get a sample of the power source, and you know, without needing to actually send it to anyone, they just got the data from it. And yeah, right. The company, like, you know, like, oh, right, okay. Let's just. I, I can't send a text message when I'm out in the middle of the countryside, but she can send a complex equation of a new energy source to her dad in Hong Kong from the middle of the earth, and it goes through like a breeze. Miles below the ground. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's fine because then, you know, her purpose in the plot is solved and she does standard generic evil corporate things like point guns at all the scientists and then escape. And Oh, actually, my favourite scene with her in it is when, you know, she unloads a bunch of missiles from the heaves, <gasps> the aircraft, you mean the onto hoops? Kong. And then he just... <laughs> And then he just um, picks her up and, you know, stares into it to yeah. make sure the girl yeah. isn't in there and just crushes yeah, her like a can. Like, just didn't even like give a care. first to make sure he's killing the right people. And it's just, you know, psh, done, dead. And I think that's the ending that kind of character deserved because they were supposed to come across as so big and so powerful and successful, but... When will man learn that you can't really do that with a titan? Well, yeah, that just you've to prove wronged, that we're not sexist here. You are when going will women to... learn as well. Hubris knows no gender. So um, they're all in, they're all converging on Hong Kong now, um, and it's it's just a fight from here on. There's there's nothing nothing significant happens outside of this fight. 
Um, Mechagodzilla launch. Oh, no, hang no, no, wait. First one. Godzilla fights Kong. No, dude, 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 yeah, we've got yeah, two rounds still to go. Now, this is all set yes. in Hong Kong, which is known for its uh, massive skyscrapers and the neon lights. And this is where, say, compared to the first fight scene where it's in broad daylight, this is at nighttime, surrounded by so many different lights. And in certain scenes, it looks a lot like the uh, lighting used in the poster. Now, the first fight scene... Kong, you know, crawls out from the hole in the ground, and this time he has the advantage because he has the weapon. This. I called the this when it was the first them. announced. I, yeah. I said they're going to give Kong a weapon. I, I said it. They're going to give him a weapon to fight Godzilla with to even things up. I'm, I know it's not a real, you know, gotcha moment or anything like that, but it's, you know, just let me be proud of something. Man. Ah. Come on. <clears throat> But he uses it so well to the extent that um, he uses some kind of technique with it. He finds he can block Godzilla's beam attack with it that charges it up and tries so many times just to get it to hit and fail. I think he um, ends up embedding it in Godzilla's leg yeah. at one point, who ends up picking it up and discarding it. And I swear there's even a reference to old-fashioned yeah. King Kong yeah, versus Godzilla when he just starts yeah. jamming the hilt of it into his throat. That was neat. That kind of thing. And all this among this beautiful Hong Kong backdrop. And then he manages to get a hit in on his head, knocking Godzilla down, like even knocking Kong back from the force of it, mm. draining all the power from the axe, and I think blinding Godzilla temporarily, yeah, wasn't Yeah, because Kong throws a crane at a building and Godzilla reacts as if something's behind him when clearly he should be able to... Yeah, yeah. it's one all. And so at this point, it descends from, you know, a battle where everyone has an advantage into something that is just oh, purely Godzilla. brutal and animalistic. Godzilla is crawling around on all floors like an enraged beast. There's none of that um, technique in there anymore. He's just he desperately clawing at Kong. Oh, yeah. And this is something that Kong is not prepared for, especially mm. because he was just knackered from one round. Like, he fought well, but Godzilla is stamina, and he is pissed. Oh, it's, he it's is really royally seeing, pissed. It's really neat seeing a genuinely angry Godzilla. You know, like you can tell he's just absolutely enraged that he's been beaten by a monkey. You know, going at him like a feral animal, clawing at him. You know, stepping on him, and getting to the point where he didn't even shoulder. use the beam attack, did he? In that, no, he, he just fight. He just hammers him. And yeah, if it weren't for the involvement of the humans, he would have killed Kong. And mm. it's just so cool to watch, especially because with that scene where he's standing on Kong's chest and looking down at him, he roars, and Kong roars back as if to say that he is not submitting. Mm. But that he is he, defiant. He doesn't do it immediately. He just he kind of hesitates for a bit. And you can see he looks a bit scared. Yeah. He's got to collect his courage to roar back at him. It's we, we've got beautiful. Some neat little emoting moments from Kong here. Hmm. And I love the relationship between the two because it isn't so much like King Ghidorah being a major threat. It's more, this is just how it has to be. Nothing personal, but I still need to be king. That's what Godzilla is conveying here. He will kill him if he needs to, but he needs to be on top. Now, is, it, is it tacky of me to kind of want a, a more synthy soundtrack for the neon fights? <laughs> Come on, I, th it was perfectly set up for it. I just well, yes, but you're not here for any synthwave, neon-coloured pastel bollocks. No, you need a cool. big soundtrack for a big monster fight. Either way, that's and if someone does a fan edit of that fight with some nice synth, <laughs> to it, yeah, yeah, Mothra. I'd like that. 
Why did you say that name? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So yeah, then so those are the two fights we got with them solo, and then Mechagodzilla launches after turning Serizawa Jr.'s brain to mush. Um, and killing evil yeah because Elon um, Musk. when it got the new um, energy source it the AI decided to become self-aware and just do its thing nope time to hit the singularity yeah and this was never hinted at it's just like okay sod it the plot demands it we need we need a bad guy mecha Godzilla um and, and then they well, just he, he starts fighting Godzilla and then they resuscitate Kong, who's apparently just dying now. And they never... They Whoa, don't have... you can't gloss over that. That's the best part. Well, yeah, but because they, don't... They... they don't have any they... kind of techno babble to explain it, how they resuscitate him. It's an amazing callback to turn something into a plot point. When Corporate Lady first arrived with the Heaves, she was um, explaining that the anti-grav generators alone produce enough, enough electricity to light up Vegas. And then that's what gives them the idea, like, we need something to restart Kong's heart. And I think that's just so cool. Just, like, detonating a super expensive... she wasn't exaggerating. ...billion-dollar anti-gravity drive just to restart his heart. And I'm thinking, you know what, sod it, that's cool. That's the coolest oh, thing. It's I'm great. not saying it wasn't smart. I'm just used to them having some kind of techno babble. Like, oh, we've got to reverse the polarity of the neutron flow to uh, back up the anti-grav collectors and jumpstart. I, I don't know how he knew how to do it, but... Yeah, he's not, yeah. A, mechanic. He's not a mechanic or anything. Well, Who cares? maybe he would have just got the same result beat. by just pushing buttons. You know how the old saying goes. Any machine's a smoke machine if you use it wrong enough. He didn't need, <laughs> he didn't need to fly. He just needed it to blow up and discharge a lot of power. Yeah, fair enough. So um, they, they, they wake Kong up again and they convince him to help Godzilla... Well, the, the little girl convinced him to help Godzilla really easily, too. Yeah, you know that guy who like, just killed is, you? He, he, <laughs> He's not your enemy. Yeah. Hey, no, Kong isn't the uh, Godzilla isn't the enemy. You fight, fight the big robot. Like, as far as Kong knows, that robot might be helping him. Hmm. As as far as he's aware, that that robot could be his. He could be his friend. Like this, this little girl anyway, has but, lied to him before. Yeah. Demonstrably. Hmm. You said my family'd be down there. I mean, sure, it's a lovely place. It's got a nice throne. I've got a cool axe, but you know. Well, technically they are, but they're skeletons. Anyway, so he, he joins the fight, and I, I love, I love it. It's, it's, I like Mechagodzilla. The design is shaky. Yes, it's it's probably the worst Mechagodzilla design out there. Not say that it's actually bad. It's my least bad. favorite, but in motion and when it was fighting, it looked cool. Yes. Um, it's probably the least power, like the the least offensive Mecha Godzilla out there as well. I mean, let's see, the, the original one was just bristling with beams and missiles and stuff like that. Uh, Mecha Godzilla two and Super Mecha Godzilla had loads of beams hidden in it, and the backpack and Kiryu has a whole arsenal. This guy just has some missiles in his shoulders, a spinny tail. And I wondered what the tail breath. thing was. If it was some sort of beam, I would have been in love. Oh, I hoped it was. It's just a blender. Mm. Seeing all the spinning, moving parts was really cool. Mm. And it felt like, okay, this would be perfect. It It's built for a fight scene between Kong and Godzilla. Yeah. It not only has a beam attack, but it has, you know, some funky, cool punch effect using 
Godzilla's blue radiation glow kind of thing, which I'm assuming is from the uh, magical power source. Yeah. Oh. It has um, rocket pods on its shoulders as a fallback weapon. I'm assuming it's some sort of beam attack thing on its tail. It's it's there so that it can be attacked on multiple sides mm. and requires two to fight it. This is very much on the lines of things being there for the purpose of the plot. I've got to say, though, I mean, this Mechagodzilla could probably wouldn't have stood a chance against either of these guys if they hadn't been half dead already, you know? Oh, yeah, true. Um, especially um, Burning Godzilla from King of the Monsters. Oh, absolutely. That would have been great. Also, when will man learn that you can actually help Titans in fights by doing more stuff? <laughs> you know, Monarch really crapped the bed on this one. They just didn't get involved at all. Yeah, I mean, they were great during the previous film. Oh, well, yeah, because they got a whole... Like, yeah. Mate, come on, you still have some agency. Mankind can interact with the Titans. You what should the have hell's wrong way with more funding by now. Where, where are your multiple Argos? Where's your Super Xs? I like to think that a bunch of Redditors um, um, destroyed them in the stock market. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this, this whole fight, um, it's not as long as some of the others, or at least it doesn't feel like it, but it is neat seeing Mechagodzilla again after so long. Um... Yeah, oh yeah, we had uh, Mechagodzilla City, but no, that's not Mechagodzilla. It doesn't count, and you know it. Um, it's it's odd that Kong is the one to finish him off. Like it isn't a team effort to finish him off. It's Godzilla charges up well, the axe, and then Kong takes care of the rest. No, no, no. I would argue that it's as much as a team thing as they can handle with it, because Godzilla recognizes when Kong basically tags in to help. And, like, of course, we can't really talk too much about the fight scenes because it's it's highly visual. You will yes. need to have to watch the fight scenes. I'm they do the it's best just... they can to collaborate based on the fact that they were just beating the piss out of each other <laughs> moments ago. Yeah, it, and it I think it's a really cool finisher for Godzilla recognizing this and charging up the axe so that Kong can deliver the finisher. I'm not saying it doesn't work. I mean, it, I mean... Yeah, I don't really have a serious complaint. I just, I don't know, I kind of wish that Mecha, they, they did a, like a, a team. Oh, no, 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 no. What you wanted time. was Kong to hold up Mechagodzilla with his arms behind his back and Godzilla to run run away and then just take a charge at him and slide at him on his tail and kick him in the face. That's exactly what I wanted. You wanted him to get Godzilla versus Megalons, didn't you? You didn't? <laughs> yeah, I found point. a really good little I found a really good little animation of something similar. Someone animated Shin Godzilla um, I'm trying to. It's been so long since I watched Shin Godzilla. It's, it's just it's Shin Godzilla kind of snaking around on his tail. It's a neat little thing like that. I don't know. We should do that more. They've got Jet Jaguar back in the new anime. I hope they do something along the lines of skidding along on his tail. <laughs> oh no! How about no? It was going to be included in the movie. It was going to be included in Shin Godzilla having Godzilla use his tail as a means of land traversal by snaking around on it. Oh, it looks for the weird, but I kind of like it. Yes. Mm. Um, yeah, no, so um, Kong rips the head off of Mechagodzilla like the original one was defeated. Um, and then after a brief stare down, Godzilla kind of recognizes Kong as an equal and leaves him alone. Ah, yes, leaving true. Leaving Kong to rule the Hollow Earth. Uh, before that, after defeating Mechagodzilla, Kong slumps next to a building, absolutely knackered, putting his axe to the side and just having a rest. It's only when Godzilla comes at him, he's like, oh no, he's here to finish the job. But it's that roar from Godzilla, that's acknowledgement. Now, what did you think he was saying? Um, was he saying, I guess we're even? Or 
You're all right, kid. <laughs> or is it right. more that they still might fight later on? Because, like, you know... Uh, uh, I don't know. If I'm going to go full... I don't know. I guess it would be something more like, you know, don't come near me or anything like that or just... Mm. I don't know. I don't think of Godzilla as being... This Godzilla as being particularly friendly in this kind of situation. It's probably more a case of we're even or something. Yeah, I, he's I acknowledging I'm an not equal, a monster psychologist. But you can kind of tell that that's not really how he expected the balance of things to go. This isn't Showa Godzilla. He's not going to shake his hand. Yeah, that would have been a bit too far. I really like the way that um, Godzilla is portrayed in this because he follows a set of rules. So the rules for any mm. um, major predator. Like, he doesn't go out to kill just to kill. He would fight to... Um, protect something or assert dominance and with this it's kind of yeah. like he's acknowledging that he no longer needs to do anything and he's just accepting kong there and um with the scene where you see kong in the hollow earth with his own territory are we thinking that this is kind of um an environment where godzilla rules atop and kong is below that's what i got from it yeah didn't see any seas in the hollow earth or at least nothing big enough for Godzilla to be comfortable in. Now, I'm thinking because some in King of the Monsters, it's implied that Godzilla uses the Hollow Earth to traverse. Are there some watery parts, or does he also have to fall an incredible height? Um, I, I suppose the Hollow Earth is more than just that Kong territory we've got now. I mean, we see that weird Atlantis place, so that, that's going to be part of it. It's just maybe Kong, maybe Godzilla has the upper Hollow Earth in the crust thing. Hmm. Who knows? They're not going to explain it. All we can do is work out our own little headcanons. Ah, but, you know, needless to say, there's um, plenty of space for both of them. All I, all I can say in this is that none of this would have happened if Mothra was still around. Oh, yeah. Uh, let, uh, quick character discussion. Um, there's not much to talk about. Uh, in fact, there's nothing to talk about, really. Uh, the characters are fine. The most disappointing one I found was Serizawa Jr. Yeah, he was just... he's just there... He's just behind he's, not he, Elon Musk. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it just bugs me. Millie Bobby Brown's character has way less kind of drive and momentum than she did in the previous film. In the previous one, she has a very set plan to enact, and she does it. In this one, her plan is, find podcast man. Prove Godzilla's been provoked. And she's got no steps beyond that point, and everything after they meet the guy is just kind of made up on the spot. Yeah, well, when your dad's the head of Monarch, and he... um just tries to disprove everything that you say, it's like, well, you got to take it in my, into my own hands. What's the other resource I have aside from... See, what she could have done is stolen an Argo or something. Or something, just... A, yeah, that would have been cool. But no, she has to get caught up in hijinks with conspiracy bloke on a hyperloop to Hong Kong. That's, that's the logical steps that I would have taken were I in her position, yeah. Conspiracy Man had enough backstory to make you go along with him. Of course, it was tragic. I think, um, yeah, he lost his wife in a Titan attack, and then his life kind of spiralled, so he's made it his obsession to understand things about the Titans. He's fine. Like the, These characters are not characters. They're cardboard cutouts. The Monsterverse is not known for its particularly deep characters, mm. but these ones are particularly shallow. They're not... It's not bad. I sound like I'm saying something bad. I'm not. They... Kong is the main character here. The, we need to have humans to progress things along. Under his own steam, Kong is not going to mm. go to the Hollow Earth. 
Um, so we need humans to get him there. If we're getting humans to get him there, we need to see things from their point of view, and then that's where the human side of the film comes in. It just wouldn't work without human scenes, and these are the bare minimum, basically, of what we can deal with to make it a watchable film. The human involvement in disabling Mechagodzilla's tail weapon was stupid. They're like, oh, I'm just going to type in passwords, and then it gets locked out, and, you know, then... Um, Deadpool 2 kid decides to take out the... Yeah, just take Conspiracy Bloke's bottle of whiskey, then pour it in the computer. I'm like... Yeah, that is the only yeah. contribution to the plot they made. Even and then, it doesn't it's even a silly do one. much. Yeah, even then, it only gives them like a split second of pause for, God, for Mechagodzilla. Like that's, that's what it does. It doesn't shut him down or significantly weaken him. It just makes him shudder for a moment. Yeah. That... It, like it, it's silly. Weakest. That's a silly it, point. Ah oh, well, it, it it's fine. Like it's it's not. I'm not raging about it or anything like that. It's just that I, I don't know. It, it just seems like a waste of time to have them do something so inconsequential. Uh, I've got a little little segment I want to I want to handle if that's all right. Just because um, I I know I don't always do it, but I like to believe that if you're going to criticize something, you should at least have an idea of what could be done differently to improve it. Mm. And I'm, I know in previous episodes I've not done that because I'm a horrible hypocrite, but this week is different, baby. So I've got a little little rundown of what I would have done differently in terms of, you know, in terms of plot, because um, I've got no real experience with the cinematography or anything like that. That was all fine. Um, in terms of plot, yeah, writing and stuff like that, um, here's what I would have done differently. So Apex would have been led by Serizawa Jr. No evil Elon Musk. The antagonist should have been centralized into one character. Apex would have been led by him, and it would have been a front for a kaiju cult to make him like this dark mirror of his father. Like, he believes in kaijus as these almost deity-type things, but instead of wanting to coexist with them, he either wants to join them or kind of use them to his own ends as like a kind of cult-type thing. And so he, he actually wants to become Mechagodzilla and to become a Titan himself. Hence the kind of brain psychic uplink thing. Um, uh, would, Millie Bobby yeah, Brown's cool. Millie Bobby Brown's kind of role in this wouldn't be her, her her chums going on a road trip. It would be her kind of rallying with her idealism a sort of splinter group within monarch who over the last five years of being praised for having saved the world with mecha with godzilla have become a bit complacent um uh, with regards titans and stuff like that like they've just kind of they've become the establishment now and they've become a bit too entrenched in bureaucracy and so she and a bunch of returning characters from the previous film would kind of form a radical splinter group from within who would kind of take a more proactive an open-minded stance and trying to work out what's going on with Apex and what's going on with Godzilla. Um, we, the, the world would be a bit more different than what we've got because Titans are still going around. Titans are a common occurrence now. Um, you know, the world has adjusted a bit to accommodate living with Titans a little bit more peacefully. You know, maybe we can have uh, a bit where we've noticed, where we're told like, oh, there's been some skirmishes with, I don't know, Mokele and Bembe in Africa or, or something like that. But largely the world is changing in a more positive way, and that's why Monarch is so complacent with this stuff. Um, but with Godzilla going a bit AWOL and attacking Apex, like they've got no proof that Apex is evil. So what they do is they go to the Mothra uh, containment site where they're monitoring her cocoon because she's already hatched as a larvae, and now she's maturing into her um, 
adult form. So they go there, they sneak in, they kind of blag their way past, and they yeah, flip a switch, um, send a current of radiation through the um, cocoon or something, and forcibly hatch her or something like that. Um, and then from there, we'd have Mothra, uh, you know, the, the two uh, twin scientists in, Kong's, uh, in King of the Monsters. We never see them together, played by the same uh, mm. actress who was meant to come back for this movie, actually. Um, anyway, we could have them kind of properly become like her priestesses, as we kind of hinted at in the last one. Mothra could speak through them and they could communicate. Anyway, so she, Mothra go, she could go and kind of make a peace between Kong and Godzilla before um, Mechagodzilla is launched with Serizawa as his kind of brain unit and he's finally achieved his weird godhood thing. Uh, we could have this massive fight and even we could have his little cult members be uploaded into mecha skull crawlers as well so we could have godzilla and kong fighting mecha godzilla and mothra holding off the mecha skull crawlers as the monarch team kind of works on cutting off their power supply or something like that or a control beam to sync them up to their brains and bodies who knows anyway just something like that to kind of make it a bit more engaging a man can dream i i do Honestly, this is just an excuse to get Mothra in the film again. I, mm. I just I want more Mothra. I think this film was a perfect example of kaiju fight scenes done right. They learned from the mistakes of the others, mm. especially Godzilla 2014. Now, I'm I'm not saying that kaiju fights in the background don't work in film. Now, that can definitely work as the backdrop for human drama as long as it's done right. Like, look at Colossal. Ultimately, it's not about the giant yes. monsters, but um, this film, yeah. Now, but not this film, film is not focused on the victims of the monsters. It's about the monsters. It's in the name, and I mean, yeah. I would love to see some more things in the MonsterVerse based on a uh, a human viewpoint, like that. Um, ooh, that Godzilla comic series you showed me, where they like different groups of people surviving a post-monster apocalypse world. Oh, That's the one. Half century. Oh, Cataclysm. I think so. Yeah, that was really good. Like, Bailante mm. trying to bring life back to the planet. It's, it's really neat. I yeah. Now, um, the bad side of this is, this might be the last entry, isn't it? Because there is no after credits scene. Let things end. I'm happy with this. I'm a little sad because I'm excited by the film. It's a really good sign that, especially because it's performing so well financially, that monster movies could be a thing. But on the oh, other yeah. hand... I don't want it getting MCU'd. I don't want it getting that kind of treatment no. because it'll just be worn too thin. I completely agree. Uh, don't get me wrong. This isn't me saying that I don't want to see more monster and Godzilla films in Hollywood. I, I love Godzilla films and I want more and more and more. But I would rather they stay special than become trite and overblown like Marvel movies. I would be fine with the MonsterVerse ending, but the problem is this film showed way more stuff that we'd love to get into, like the vastness of the Hollow Earth and that chamber beneath Hong Kong where I'm assuming the King of the Titans would sit. It's that kind of thing. It introduces so many more... Um, well, what's the term? Um, I guess pseudo-scientific explanations for the whole Titan thing, where I feel like it's trying to get into some deep lore. Well, look, it's, it's not like this is all we're going to get from now on from the MonsterVerse. We've got two comic books coming out in a month or so. Uh, we've got a Skull oh, really? Island show that's meant to come out See, at I'd some point. I'd love some so we've got series some like stuff. that. Yeah, 
honestly, I wouldn't mind. Uh, I wouldn't mind the MonsterVerse being continued in a comic series. I'd, I'd really like that. Uh, maybe some prequel stuff to show this Kong versus Godzilla species war. Uh, maybe showing us ancient humans oh, living alongside yes. monsters, or just showing um, little little snippets from how different um, containment sites monitor and study their different monsters. Ooh, I'd like some sort of monarch series where they're hunting down um, escaped titans. Hang on, that is basically a version of mm. the nineties um, Godzilla cartoon. That would be cool if they had like a just let them find a juvenile Godzilla to sick on the monsters that they're trying to contain while the real Godzilla's sleeping or swimming elsewhere. You know, just make him a small one so that he's not, you know, going to get iced for being alpha. Yes, a mini Godzilla. A Manila. No, that would be terrifying and hideous. Why did that thing have a round head? Godzilla thinks that I should learn to fight my own battles, you know? We still need to watch that film together. We already did, my man. We were just too drunk to remember How it. drunk was I? Very. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that makes sense. Um, yeah, no, look, if if, if, you, if you skip through most of the episode of this just to get to the ending bit, um, here's my little mini summary. Watch it. It's good fun. Big monkey punch big lizard. Big lizard shoot big monkey. Uh, big fights all around. Mm. Now, that being said, it isn't necessarily a dumb film. Like... Obviously, if you're going to criticise it for the lack of human character drama, well, it's not what the film's about. No, I'm not. And it, yeah. I'm not saying that the lack of human drama is it actively doing something bad. I'm saying that it's a necessity of putting more focus on Kong as a character, which I'm totally fine with. Um, these characters aren't... The only ones that I feel are you know, remarkably underdeveloped is Millie Bobby Brown and her Millie Bobby Clowns. I know I already made that joke, but I just want to... I thought it was really funny. They I to do it had the weakest parts of the film, definitely. Yes. You could cut them out. There was a bunch that was cut out. Um, you know the the um, what was her name? Chen, um, the, the lady in King of the uh, King of the Monsters, who was focused on the mythology side with the sister at um, Mothra's site. Um, she was meant to be in it and just was completely cut out. Uh, Lance Reddick was meant to be a much bigger. Uh, presence in this, but he turns up for like five seconds at the end. Yeah, Which one was Lance big, Reddick um, again? Um, you know the bit where they're at Hong Kong and Millie Bobby Brown's dad um, is talking to that guy and is all like Godzilla's fighting, blah blah blah, and then walks off. The black guy with the glasses. Oh yes, I don't blame you. Oh, I don't Lance Reddick. Yeah, okay. Yes, I, I just assumed he was generic background military man. He was meant to be the director of Monarch. Man, I wish we had some more Monarch yeah, agency he, in this. That would have been great. Yeah. No, he was meant to be the new director of Monarch after Serizawa was dead. Um, and there was going to be a whole whole new kind of plot point and stuff like that. And Monarch was going to do more. But it just didn't contribute to the overall plot. And so they cut the whole thing out. And the only remnant of it was um, him having like five seconds of screen time. But he's still got yeah one of the top billings in the credits. Wow. It's part of his contract that he still get top billing. So that's a pretty neat little deal he's got going on there, you know? Five seconds and top billing. I wish I could do that amount of work. Yeah. It's still a shame they cut him out. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not going to go all, ooh, release the Wingard cut. Um, I would like yeah, no, some more footage, uh, although it, if it's humans talking, it would be annoying. If it's more monsters punching each other, I'm all for it. 
Yeah, there was an episode. Uh, there was an episode. There was a, an article that came out saying, "Oh yeah, apparently there's like five hours of footage, or like there's enough footage for a five-hour-long movie for this." And right, but is that five hours of additional monster fights, or is that five hours of people talking on a soundstage? Because I think I know which one it is. Yeah, that's uh, the problem. If it if it was extra, like little tiny monster scenes that were cut, like Kong escaping after the um, death charges, that would have been fine. But hmm. yeah. It is what it is. This film did its job. It is oh, yeah. a very solid film. It is very enjoyable, especially if you're a kaiju fan. Now, it isn't necessarily as fan servicey as King of the Monsters, which had all the monsters. No. Um, but it's still very solid. It's definitely a sequel. It feels like a mashup of uh, Kong and Godzilla, especially because of the old-style rock music that's playing during the Kong scenes. Even while he's, you know, lying on the boat, it's still got that music playing because it's trying to say, hey, we're not, you know, big, stompy Godzilla scene time. We're having a moment that's a little more human. I like Kong in this. It was fun. The whole movie was fun. Like, sure, yeah. I didn't have as many moments of, ooh, I, no I recognise that, as I did with King of the Monsters. Like, there was no, ooh, ooh, um... Outpost 61, that's because of you know, such and such a year, that kind of thing. Or there was no, oh, Mazer Cannon. But it was still fun. We don't have to have constant fan service and references you know, mm. wall to wall. You know, I'm, I'm happy with what we got. I was a little bit worried because Adam Wingard was directing this and I didn't like his uh, Death Note movie. That was an interesting one. We're not doing an episode on that. I'm not going to watch that again. Damn. Well, I'd say that the MonsterVerse went out with a bang. It was, um, yes. yeah, it was a good film series. It evolved, and uh, yeah, thank you for showing me Godzilla twenty fourteen. It was that film in itself was a passable Godzilla film. It needed a lot more kaiju visibility, but otherwise, yeah, it just paved the way for much better films. I'll tell you what, though, this I think this film has made me respect twenty fourteen a little bit more. Not that I actively disliked it or anything like that, but this is the complete antithesis of what the 2014 one was. Not that it was necessarily better or worse, but they do the exact... They take the exact opposite approach to these things, you know? It's interesting to see how, yeah, the beginning and end of a movie series can be just so completely different while still being largely about the same kind of thing. Definitely. So, yeah, I mean, um, I would recommend that you go out and watch it, but looking at the box office results, you probably already have, because this thing's doing absolute gangbusters. Although it doesn't hurt that this is, you know, the only movie out at the moment. Oh, actually, I think we should talk about this. We should have mentioned this right at the very beginning, but now we are doing this while we're still in a COVID-19 lockdown. And so instead of theatres being open, movies are being premiered on streaming services. And of course, they're significantly more expensive than a ticket because you're renting it for a couple of days. Uh, we got ours from Amazon Prime Video, so it was like 16 quid uh, for two days rental. Um, it's an interesting way of doing it, and I'm hoping that once theatres are open, it doesn't persist. It's like how Disney are trying it with Raya and The Last Dragon. Like, they're just yeah. trying to see if people will go so far as to spend up to 30 quid on a film to see it first or rent it. I wouldn't mind it if it was the same price as a cinema ticket. Like, it's weird seeing... Like, I like going to the cinema. Somehow working at one didn't put me off that at all um and it just feels a bit weird seeing this brand new monster movie 
in my front room. Hmm. I don't get me wrong. It was liberating to be able to pause it and go to the toilet whenever I needed to, and not have to worry about missing any of it. That was good. I was able to just kind of kick back on the sofa and like, yeah, this is comfy. I get the feeling that a lot of companies will, um, uh, what's the best term, re-release them in cinemas as some sort of spectacle. It's like how Avatar reclaimed its throne as the one with the most profits after it was re-released in China. Now, that's cheating, but I'll accept it just because I don't want a Marvel movie to be the top grossing film of all time. <laughs> uh, I don't mind compromising my principles on this point. It doesn't matter, I could see really. them potentially doing this with Godzilla vs. Kong, just so they can add to it. I mean, it is doing well. It is making money. I think um, what well, just I know it's gone o- earned over fifty million, but I haven't really checked. Maybe Good. it's doing well. The last thing I wanted for this was to, for it to do horribly and for Toho to kind of go, oh crap! All right, uh, the honkies don't like Godzilla anymore. Quick, pull out. I mean, I read an article a while ago about Toho wanting to move more into um, Western audiences themselves. So maybe that's what they're doing with, um, you know, next time. Maybe they're just going <clears> to <throat> produce a Godzilla film themselves and kind of push it out there that... rather than relying on a Western studio. It would be interesting to see them try. I just hope they go back to Suitmation soon. Okay, that'll be interesting. I know that um, time we had a, a lot of the effects used in some of the uh, monster fights in this film, so um, especially the one where they were testing Mechagodzilla's beam weapon, it just split a skull crawler in half into this wet, dripping mass. It was executed so well that it did at times look like a practical effect. But I don't want things to look like a practical effect. I want mm. things to be a practical effect. I'm a dirty, filthy hipster, and I like my rubber and my... Silicon. I just, I want, I want it. I think the West could accept Suitmation, but in a limited way. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think the West is always going to have this kind of preconceived notion of, ooh, dumb rubber monster. Whenever they see like a, a monster suit, I think the only way to not do that is have um, Doug Jones play it. Yes, Doug Jones does everything I great nearly, in a I rubber suit. Said Doug Walker. I nearly said <laughs> no, dear God, no. <laughs> oh dear. That would be the worst decision, especially because halfway through the films, he pops yeah, out the back and complains. <laughs> oh, I wish I could do a good nostalgia critic. Um, be blessed that you I don't. don't. I, can't, I can't go that nasal. <laughs> Oh, how terrible my voice is too deep. Oh, no. <laughs> Damn, we're too high tea for this. <laughs> how are we going to punch up now? I mean, I could do a Linkara one. But we're not talking about Power Rangers. <laughs> we'll have to save that for when we do a Power Rangers-related episode. Oh, and yeah. um, importantly, I think that we've exhausted all of our Godzilla vs. Kong discussion for the time being. Yeah, you can tell when I've run out of things to say when I start making fun of Channel Awesome, guys. Spandex Power Armor. If we're going to punch, it's going to be up. We punch up so you don't have to. No. No. Oh, I thought it was funny. Anyway, yeah, I uh, hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, I, I really liked doing this one, which, you know, it's, it's fun. Enjoying what I'm talking about and not having you ruin it for me. Well, yes, you know, I think this is... The same way it's again. broken a cycle of you liking a film, me not liking a film, and me gradually pulling you over to my side. This is fine. This this film isn't crap. This film isn't just a dark 90s Toei thing set in the old filming locations and done on a shoestring budget. 
Well, maybe I should change next episode's plan then. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> now let's get rid of Kamen Rider Zedo and uh, what else have we got? Next up, I'm going to crap all over Jay. No! This is where you call me out for hating on these films, but um, being into um, 90s Sentai. Like, come on, Jetman. Yeah, actually, that was. Anyway, we're just gonna we're just getting into a tangent here. This is the end of the episode. Did you like listen to this episode? If you did, send us an email, like the other guy did. Good old Thomas. Uh, if you don't want to do that, don't do that. But you know, uh, some some interaction hey, if you would think be nice. We can improve in any way. Channel a bit more. Yeah. Send us hate mail. Oh, not uh, hate mail. A, no. A, I would love some send feedback. Send me hate mail. That's because you're a masochist. No, it's because I want an opportunity to fight my audience. <laughs> oh, man. A podcast with um, a low viewership and the hosts arrange a fight with each... No, oh my God, that's going to be a new podcast idea. I'll do it. We arrange I'll fights with it. our listeners and then the next episode is about... If you live in the about... UK... <laughs> I'm dead serious. If you live in the UK and you want to fight me, I will do it. We can film it, put it on the channel and I'll get all the money and you get to punch me in the face. Unless I win. This is Rex signing off. This podcast episode's probably going to be used in court as evidence. Uh, take care. Oh, God, I've become Uwe Boll. <laughs> <laughs>